Hey, it's Pat Gray, and today on the Glenn Beck Radio Program, we had Dan Bongino stop by to talk to Glenn about the president's move into the bunker. Uh, does President Trump have a right to unleash the military? Spoiler alert! He does. Also, Elijah Schaefer talks with Glenn about some of the groups he's seeing out on the streets during these riots. And uh, finally, we have Sheriff Grady Judd from Polk County to talk about his press conference that went super viral. All that and more coming up on the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, of course, CNN is uh, talking about uh, the White House bolstering its defenses. Uh, CNN reported that it was bolstering the White House defenses like authoritarian countries do. Uh, uh, Pat, tell me the last time you heard of 50 Secret Service agents uh, hurt in any kind of confrontation. Um, That was the 15th of uh, never. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I've I don't never think heard I've of ever it. heard of that. Uh, and the president doesn't decide when he goes to the ba- uh, to the bunker. It's my understanding. But somebody who does know this is Dan Bongino, the host of the Dan Bongino show and a former Secret Service agent uh, that was on the uh, presidential detail at the uh, White House for uh, Barack Obama. Hello, Dan. How are you? Glenn, good to talk to you. Yeah, you're right. That Great analysis to... is correct. Okay, so tell so, so so first of all, tell me the last time you heard of any story with fifty Secret Service agents killed at any time in American history, or not killed or but injured. Yeah. Never. I mean, I can recall uh, being at G7s, you, you know, UNGA, UN General Assemblies up in New York, where we've you know there was a WTO. Well, we've had, you know, here and there at perimeters, we've had people injured, things thrown at them, bottles generally. Um, but even overseas, where we were over in, in Georgia, um, I wasn't on that trip, but I was in the training center at the time. That time where they threw the grenade at President Bush, I don't know if you remember that one. Um, even mm-hmm. then, the injury count uh, of the agents and staff and everyone was far less than what we saw at this insurrection at the White House. Listen, Glenn, that, that was not a, a protest. It, it should have been, and it could have been. There were obviously legitimate gripes here um, that, that should be aired. But that's not what that was. This is an insurrection. It was a riot. And I can tell you uh, from sources of mine that were there, uh, more than credible and unimpeachable, um, that the attack on the White House, and that's what it was over a period of days, was very organized. Um, it was done using very strategic tactics. They were using this kind of lift and shift model where they would hit a certain point, get the officers there, get the Secret Service Uniform Division there. And then when they got them in one spot, they would move to another spot trying to sense the Achilles heel. This is not the stuff, Glenn, of a, of a bunch of like, you know, two bit criminals who just found themselves at the White House on a Saturday and Sunday night. I want to be crystal clear. This was organized by Antifa terrorists. It's not a joke. And it's not hyperbole. These were people committed to an insurrection that was thankfully put down. So, uh, Dan, let me go before we get back into all of that. Let me go back to the other. Uh, they're saying that, you know, uh, he was a coward for hiding in the bunker, et cetera, et cetera. 
Does the president have a right to say no when the Secret Service says you have to move now, Mr. President? Well, let me give you the textbook and then let's throw out the textbook and talk reality. So the textbook answer to that is no, he doesn't have the right to say no. Um, The Secret Service has the authority under Title 18 U.S. Code 3056 to protect the president, however they they deem necessary. Um, Here's the real world. He's the president of the United States. And and I always refer back when questions like this come up to that uh, dopey movie. Was it the American president or something? Michael J. Fox is the chief yeah. of staff. Yeah. And Margie says, well, I, I want to get out and, uh, and, and jump out here and say hello to some people. And he says something like, you know, there's no jumping, Mr. President. If the president wants to get out and jump out and say hello to people, he's going to do it. I can't tell you how many times we told President Bush and President Obama, it's probably not a good idea that you do this. And they do it anyway. I mean, I can only recall one situation where they shut the president down um, when they told him we are absolutely not going to do this. So, you know, he if he says, I'm not going, they're probably not going to take him. Having said that, in a situation like that, where there was very little doubt amongst those people, they were trying to storm that White House. I think they would have overrode in there. said, Mr. President, we're really sorry. You can punish us later for this, but we've got to go. He did not make that call. Dan, you know that I uh, I'm protected by uh, Gavin DeBecker and Associates, and you know who they are, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there is a difference between when they say we highly recommend we really don't want you to and I can override them. But there are also times that I have been where they have picked me up by my pants like the president and thrown me into the car uh, and said, I'm sorry, you're not doing it or we're not protecting you. We will not guarantee your safety on this. We won't protect you. And we've gone to war zones and everything else. Um, But there has been a couple of times where they said no. And I had no choice unless I wanted to fire all of them. Uh, And which, you know, I didn't. The president can't fire the Secret Service. They do have the right. And if 50 Secret Service men and women were injured there at the White House trying to protect the White House, I got to believe they walked in and said, I don't care what you're saying, Mr. President. 50 Secret Service agents have just been injured. You're in the bunker. Yeah. And and, uh, yeah, you're right. And and just to, to double down on what you're talking about here. Number one, the president is one of the few protectees who cannot, what we call the Secret Service, sign off. Um, Other protectees, foreign dignitaries, um, they can sign off. They can literally sign a piece of paper saying, I don't want you guys here, whatever. I'm going out to party on a Saturday night. I don't want you around. And the Secret Service can say, okay, there's there's a paper. They sign it, and that's the end of it. The president of the United States cannot do that. He has no authority, even himself, to sign off, none. Zero, number one. And number two, you're right. You have a private security team. It's very good. But they have professional liability standards, too, Glenn. If you said, listen, I want to walk into this serial murderer's house on a Saturday night while he's high on drugs, and I'd like you guys to, and they say, hey, that's a really bad idea. They're not going to let you do it because they'd be humiliated when you get murdered. They'd be on the front page. Correct. Don't be security firm. Let's Glenn Beck get himself killed. They're not going to do that. So in a situation like Sunday, Saturday night, where we're looking at a, a darn insurrection at the White House, I don't blame the Secret Service one bit for saying, Mr. President, we really got to go. And shame on the media, by the way, for painting this as some kind of situation where Trump ran like a coward. You know what he said yesterday? He said, fellas, hold my beer. You think I'm going to sit in the White House? I'm going to take my ass. 
I'm going to show you the stones I do have. And you, whether you like this guy or not, I'm going to walk across the street in the middle of, an, of a riot in the middle of D.C. And I'm going to show you whose streets these really are. They're ours, the American well, they, people. They're not the streets of the rioters. He's getting heat for that because they used they're actually calling tear gas chemical weapons. Uh, that he used chemical weapons on that uh, crowd of protesters without any warning, which yeah. we know for a fact is not true. We know people that were there, and they say that there were two warnings issued. Warning, va- evacuate the area, evacuate the area, uh, and, or, or you will be uh, confronted with tear gas. So they warned people. Uh, and the president, if he's got to go someplace, he's going someplace. And I, I don't think that was a problem at all. I, I, I don't. Re- yeah. And I candidly don't give a rat's ass anymore what the media says. They're actually putting the president of the United States and government figures in danger. You say, oh, my gosh, Dan, that's rough to say. Is it really? Uh, let me tell you something. If they did not report on this bunker incident and it just either kept the lid on it or reported on it responsibly saying, hey, the Secret Service made a security call to remove the presence of the bunker. Instead of writing stupid articles like the president runs in shame to the bunker, which is totally false and made up, Glenn, ironically, by writing like that, they incentivize the president to go out and say, listen, now we have to do some kind yep. of symbolic show of yep. force or we're going to lose the White House. They don't understand, mm-hmm. like, because they're not smart. They're morons. These are imbeciles with double digit IQs who are only in this to aggravate an already bad situation. And it's a shame because they're really incentivizing this kind of stuff to happen. They don't even see their role in it. So, Dan, you came to me when I was on Fox can I tell this story? Have we told this story before? Yeah, of course. My gosh, that was yeah. that was so long ago. That was great. So long <laughs> ago. Yeah, you, and you were you were there at the White House uh, during Obama, and you came to me during a show, and I remember coming over to shake your hand uh, and say hello, and you said in the break, "I'm leaving the White House because I'm watching you, and I know I'm seeing you know everybody watching in the White House, and I know what you're saying." Is true. Um, you were there. Can you talk a little bit about Obamagate and, uh, you know, what we're probably not going to even care about at the end of this summer that we should care about? I think I said on your show, a video, I'm pretty sure because the, the thing went nuclear. Like, this has to be maybe eight, nine years ago. I'm almost positive it was your show where I warned that the problem with the Obama administration was he was surrounded by sycophants who wouldn't tell him what he couldn't do. And, and, and when you yes. combine that, and you may say, and, and listen, to, to be fair here, every administration has sycophants. You may say, even, even the administration mm-hmm. now, everyone does. As, sure. The problem with the Obama administration, I think the warning I gave on your show is, when you combine that with this toxic stew, Glenn, of media permissibility, where the media, in contrast yep. to Trump with Obama, everything he did was okay, you invite a Lord Acton scenario where power corrupts, mm-hmm. and, and what do they say? All great men are, you know, bad men. Uh, you have a bad guy, Obama, with, a, with, I think, bad motivations, who had no control mechanism. There was no choke point for his behavior. And Obamagate, at the end, I had left the Secret Service uh, by the time Obamagate was happening. But from my sources and the books I wrote about it, who were feeding me information about what happened, my FBI guys, it is the biggest scandal in American history, and it's a direct result of the media refusing to call out 
the president of the United States yep. for abusing and weaponizing the powers at his discretion. It was a shame. What he did is disgraceful. So is there a possibility that it is this same deep state that is supporting? I mean, I, I look at, you know, George Soros and the State Department and the the riots going all the way back to the Arab Spring that they helped produce uh, and topple different governments. This is taking the same kind of course. Is is there a chance that the deep state is involved in this at all? You know, it's funny. We didn't plan this. I didn't talk to you before the show, but I'm actually writing a different book. And I don't even want to. I'm not even going to tell you that because I'm not interested. But I just want to put this out there. I'm done with it. I actually finished it. And the book is about following this deep state money trail. And it's interesting you bring up Soros. You know, everybody, oh, my gosh, you can't talk about. So, no, no, I will. I'll talk about whatever the hell I want. You could kiss my ass. Um, I'm not listening to any leftist <laughs> media narrative. It's, it's, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I give exactly. No, I know you are. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, you. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to these media matters lunatics. Um, I actually have the documents and a money trail showing that the same people, Glenn, in this deep state that the left says doesn't exist, involved in the Spygate thing and the advancement of false narratives emanating from Ukraine and elsewhere. Trump's a spy, including with the Russians. Mm -hmm. You know, he's from the Goldfinger mm -hmm. James Bond movies. Oh, my gosh. The same exact people were involved in the impeachment hoax. The same people. It's on paper. Just look at the documents. Yeah. It's on paper. But the media will never tell you that story because when you bring up Soros, right. oh, my gosh, George Soros. Oh, this is you can't bring up. No, I'll bring up whatever the hell I want. And that's in the book. It's the so your assertion there is entirely accurate. It is the exact same people. They have they're all over. Their fingerprints are on everything. And it's really gross that yeah. the media won't get their heads out of their collective rear ends and report on this. Well, they're, I think they're part of it. I think, they, um, I think they would rather have a world with Antifa than a world with Donald Trump and people who go to church. That's the way it feels, at least. I mean, isn't um, Dan Bongino. I mean, have you seen their covering yeah. for them? I mean, it's gross. You I know? know. I know. Dan Bongino, great to have you on. You can find him at uh, Bongino.com, B-O-N-G-I-N-O.com, Bongino.com, and follow him at D Bongino on Twitter. Thank you so much. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Let me go to Elijah Schaefer, uh, who has been down with these um, these rioters uh, for a long time. He's been following Antifa. And when you were up with um, with Antifa and you were you were watching them beat people, et cetera, et cetera. You told me at the time, Elijah, that the police would just mysteriously disappear. That's because the police chief uh, and the mayor are are for Antifa, seemingly. Um, are you seeing a difference between other protests and, for instance, the Dallas police as opposed to the the um, uh, Portland police? Yeah, I think one interesting uh, aspect, uh, and I could be correct if I'm wrong, but um, Andy Noah, a journalist, has talked to me about how like, the mayor of Portland, similarly is the, the police commissioner, and so some of these mayors have an uncanny amount of power and, and influence, as we just heard, uh, over the police department, whether indirectly by 
uh, directing anger from their, their populace towards them and misrepresenting them or directly by telling them that they can they need to stand down and not do their jobs. Uh, but I have absolutely watched, uh, not, not where that police were overrun in cities like Portland over the years. I watched as they've just begun to gain control. And while I don't have a radio, I watched them answer calls, get back on their trucks, in their cars, and leave, and watch the protests and riots turn violent and uh, the vandalism increase when they had the opportunity to stop it in its tracks. So what is your take on this, Elijah, as you've watched these guys? uh, I mean, it's really important for top down, bottom up, inside out. That theory that I've been, um, you know, explaining for the last 15 years that you got to have people in power. This is the way they flipped countries uh, to be communist. Um, You have to have people who are communist in power, but they don't necessarily say they are. Um, but they have enough control to where they can move the system. You have to control the attorney generals and the prosecutors. We know that George Soros has been doing that for a while now. Uh, and you have to have these uprisings in the streets. No one prosecuted, no one paying any price until the uh, until the people just stand up and they say to the federal government, help us, help us, nobody's helping us. And that's when you flip the country to to a Marxist utopia. Does does that sound too crazy at this point, Elijah? No, you know, it it doesn't, Glenn. And I I think what's really important uh, for your listeners to, to understand is that I have been documenting groups Uh, like Revcom, Revolutionary Now in Los Angeles, for years. Uh, Just recently, I have them on camera. They're calling for a revolution in the streets. They are yelling and taunting, and they are are completely calling on people to revolt. And, uh, you know, people laugh at me. Oh, why do you pay attention to this group? Why do you pay attention to that group? And I go, because they are literally calling for an attack on our country, internalizing it and calling for violence in our streets. And I take people seriously that call for threats of violence in our streets. Well, it looks like, uh, you know, it looks like they're not laughing anymore because groups like that are working tirelessly in large cities like Los Angeles to wreak havoc. And they're getting at least the first taste of the revolution. And if we've seen this escalation in just the last couple of years where the media laughed at me, mocked me, called me a propagandist for saying that these were viable threats to now just two years later, they're saying, oh, actually, these people are burning down our cities. I wonder if the next mm. step, as we're seeing in, in the protests last night and riots, that violence in just three days have escalated. So we went from two years to three days. Who knows what's going to happen in the next 24 hours? So tell me what you know about the, the BRIC situation, um, because I've heard two stories on this, and uh, we're close to some, some information that I hope to be releasing this week. Um, but at this point, until I have that information, I, I, uh, I don't know if it's just a coincidence and, uh, you know, Antifa happens to know where the construction site is. And so they, they say, Hey, everybody meet here. But I, I've, I've been around a while now and most construction sites are fenced off. So you can't go steal a pallet of bricks, which is a lot of money. But these these organizers are meeting at places where there's these these pallets of bricks and they appear to be part of a construction site. Most of them. Um, 
But is this a coincidence or do you think this is coordinated? That's a really important question, and I want to make sure I only speak to, to what I know here so that we don't uh, conjecture. I, I went ahead and spoke to uh, somebody who worked in bricklaying for quite some time, and they confirmed with me that uh, construction sites do not leave bricks out, that they're a commodity that is often stolen. They're also uh, completely sealed, often with wired bars when they're left, uh, that continue to keep the package in place after it's brought off of a flatbed. But, you know, Glenn, um, that night when I made the claim that it was organized, that people were leading people to pallets of bricks, you know, I was mocked online and ridiculed as if maybe, just maybe, I wasn't trying to start a conspiracy. Maybe I was myself shocked um, to realize that somebody was looking to increase the violence and the, the vandalism. And I saw pallets of bricks in places where there was not construction. And I uploaded video footage of even protesters acknowledging in filming like, oh, this is so fishy. I see this. There's no construction around here. Uh, these bricks are here. And there is footage right now online, and your, your audience can, can look it up, of right near protests, flatbeds of trucks just coming and, and just dropping off pallets of bricks the day of the protest while there's cop cars all around. And that's what's most suspicious to me. Cop cars are there while a flatbed truck goes into a parking lot right next to the protest and drops off two giant pallets of bricks into the middle of a parking lot. I mean, if that doesn't breed suspicion in, in, the, in the eyes of any smart and intelligent American of why bricks were being dropped off in an inner city in front of officers while a riot is ensuing, then I don't know what would. I wonder if the Teamsters could answer that question. Teamsters would know who those truck drivers are. Teamsters would know what, uh, what the usual is. I wonder if they would answer that question. Yeah, I absolutely, I, I absolutely implore anyone with information, whether you work in uh, construction or you have background, to try to bring some clarity to the national conversation. And that's why, for the first time, uh, I think Americans are not only realizing that it's up to them to protect themselves, uh, whether it's, you know, w- from, from deadly force that seems to be escalating, where police cannot help them. You know, one uh, pretty liberal individual on Twitter said that he had called the police because of an altercation between rioters and his neighbor. And the police said, the city is under attack. It's, it's, it's on you right now. <laughs> do, what you, do what you need to. And he goes, is this really America? And yes, this is America in, 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 in a good and a bad way. In a bad way because we're seeing our own governments that have been falling apart for years, unable to protect us, but on a good way because America has always been by the people and for the people. It's up to you to protect yourself. And right now, not only physically, but information-wise. You cannot trust the media, and we need you to help. So if anyone knows and has information, please contact you know, myself, Elijah Schaefer, online or this program and help us bring, bring to light the evidence and the, the, the deception uh, of people who are trying to pretend like this is all just random and somehow every city in America is just burning accidentally at the exact same time. Elijah, um, how is how do you think Trump is being viewed by the average American and the Trump supporter? Because I, I have heard many Trump supporters saying he's being weak. He's not uh, reacting. I know that Tucker Carlson did and uh, did a uh, monologue last night where he pretty much called him weak. What is your thought? You know, uh, Glenn, I have been a, a very, a very big supporter of the president of the United States uh, since early on, since I saw him 
con- continue and completely uh, ignore the advice of so-called, quote-unquote, wise uh, counselors and instead speak to the heart of the American uh, worker and people and just act like a, a run-of-the-mill man who doesn't take any crud from people. You know, I, I don't think any leader just like George Bush during 9-11 really could fully understand how to respond to this because he's in a, he's in a very precarious situation. Everyone already calls him racist and fascist and, uh, you know, compares him to, you know, to Adolf Hitler. And so essentially, no matter what he does in the situation, I know as a, as a man, you wouldn't you you're going to be labeled uh, in a very negative light. If you're tough on the violence, then you're racist. If you're not tough, you're weak. Uh, but I think everyone needs to give him a little bit of time. I do think that his speech was about three days too late <laughs> that he gave, but it was warmly welcomed in my understanding and i would hope that as he speaks and says that you know that america is a country of the rule of law that he would completely stand behind that and that he would set an example and a precedent but weakness is not the right word but maybe just a little bit delayed and perhaps just perhaps that could be because of bad counsel from people like jared kushner all right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, that's Elijah Schaefer. You can uh, follow him uh, at uh, uh, dot com. Is that is that the web address? I'm looking for your web address here, well, Elijah. You no, know, you can you can go to can go to youtube dot com slash slightly offensive or YouTube. find uh, extended content as well at blaze tv dot com slash slightly offensive. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I have to play some audio from yesterday. This is uh, Sheriff uh, uh, Grady Judd. He is the sheriff of Polk County, Florida. I want you to listen to what he said in a press conference. We have received information on social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns, they have guns, I encourage them to own guns, and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. So leave the community alone. I lived uh, in uh, Polk County, I think. I lived in Polk County, Florida, uh, and I did not get a chance to vote for him, but I think I would have. He was overwhelmingly elected uh, sheriff in 2004, reelected in 8, 12, 16, and I'm guessing he's going to do well the next time should he decide to run. Welcome to the uh, program, Grady Judd. Thank you very much, and certainly I want to continue serving the people of Polk County and keeping them safe and supporting them while they do the right thing. So, uh, Grady, are you? Did you see something um, in the you know in your county that uh, disturbed you, or is this just what's happening all around the country? And they've been saying they're coming to the suburbs, so you were just well. Making sure everybody understood. The, the county is about 690,000 people, and as you can imagine, we have a large sheriff's office here. And our intelligence group 
pick this chatter up off of the f- different Facebook or social media posts. I don't think it was on Facebook. It was another social media. We weren't able mm-hmm. to verify it at the time of the press conference, but we take all of those threats serious until we can discount them. And we weren't able to discount it because we saw it from more than one source. So I was responding to a reporter's question, but at the end of the day, that's, to me, common sense. I mean, it's gone viral. I looked last night, and it was 2.5 million views. But think about Mm -hmm. this, Glenn. All we said was what every citizen in the United States has a right to do. Your home, in your house. And looters take to the neighborhoods, and they're going to break into your home to rob, to steal, to set your house on fire? Why wouldn't you blow them out of your house with your firearm? You've got the right to protect yourself, your family, and your home. So to me, it was just common sense. I find it interesting, uh, Grady, that there has been such a movement to get guns out of the hands of average citizens. And the same people who have been trying to do that are now in the streets causing all of this uh, ruckus and saying, we're coming to your house. You think it's a coincidence or are these things coordinated, do you think? I think it's absolutely coordinated. You know, it's pretty basic, but you know the old saying, when you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns. The reality is mm-hmm. I've been in law enforcement my entire adult life. Outlaws, criminals, thugs, they don't pay any attention to rules. If they did, we wouldn't have criminal conduct. And the criminals always have guns. So that's what shocks me about this. The criminals always have guns. So if the criminals have guns, why in God's green earth wouldn't we want law-abiding citizens to at least be able to arm themselves, to protect themselves and their family. And there are areas in this country, if people didn't have guns in their homes, they wouldn't be safe. So what we're saying is, look, when the criminals start obeying the law, when the criminals start doing what's right, then come back to us and talk about gun control. I don't think we'll ever have that conversation. I don't think so either. I still wouldn't give up my uh, I still wouldn't give up my gun. I mean, I have a right to protect myself. And I think we're seeing now why there needs to be magazines that hold more than seven bullets. I mean, look at some of these beatdowns that are happening in the cities. There are, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 people that are after one person and just beating them. I mean, uh, you know, I have a right to live and I have a right to my own opinion and I have a right to say it. Uh, you have a right to protest, but not to beat me to death. At least give me a shot of, of saving my own life. And that's absolutely correct. But I can assure you of one thing, that, that, that second, third, fourth, fifth person, when you modify that first person's behavior with a gun, the others decide to go the other way. And, and when you can't be safe in your home, you can't be safe any place at all. But you have the right, especially in the state of Florida, we have beautiful laws, not only castle doctrine laws, but we all also have a stand-your-ground law. And it's really been taken out of context. Our stand-your-ground law doesn't mean that you can enter into a conflict. 
and stand your ground. The intent and the pure purpose of that law is you're a law-abiding citizen, behaving, walking down the street, minding your own business, and someone comes up to attack you, to beat you down with a, a stick, a baseball bat, they have a knife, they have a gun, certainly you have the right to protect yourself. You don't have to run from somebody that may be faster and certainly wants to assault you. And to mm-hmm. me, it's common sense. And, and when you look where the problems are occurring, traditionally it's in the communities that have stopped the good people from doing what's right, possessing their firearms, having easy-to-access concealed weapons permits, and obviously then the criminals take over. So where do we go from here, Sheriff? What should the the sheriffs and the police forces around the country be doing right now to make sure they stay on the right side and their and their uh, their cities and their counties are protected? Glenn, I'm glad you you asked that. The, the police are nothing but a microcosm or a reflection of the community. When you saw these police agencies around the country that weren't appropriately responding to protect lives and to protect property, that is a reflection of the government. That's a reflection of the decision makers. The police officers are the enforcers. They don't create the laws. They just obey the laws and enforce the rules. So when police officers are told to stand down, let them burn the building, police officers stand down and let them burn the building. When police officers in other communities are told, you're not going to let them burn out our stores, and then, then that's exactly what the police can do. We have the resources to protect people's property and to protect their lives. But if the leadership of a community, the mayors, the city commissioners, the governors, the state legislators, if they capitulate, if they back up because of a use of force or threat against them, or a threat of force against them, if they tell the police to stand down, then you get what you get. There's a horrible video back in the Baltimore riots where the police were, were told Do not engage these people that are tearing up and burning this store. And there was certainly enough police officers there to do it. So you have to not look at the police. You have to look at the leadership and the management of the city Mm -hmm. or the community. And uh, how do you think the police and sheriffs are handling it uh, so far? I mean, between COVID, there were some really dicey things that were happening around the country with COVID. Uh, and uh, some sheriffs, uh, mainly sheriffs, but some police officers uh, stood up against some of the draconian things that were happening in the state. How do you think, how do you think the, the police are handling it? Well, we, we've got a lot of challenges on our plate right now. COVID is certainly a problem. We've got high unemployment. We've got folks who have an environment where they can legally wear masks all the time and be in positions to one, protect themselves with a mask, or two, hide themselves with a mask while they rob. So when you add to that this environment that we have here now, that is absolutely, totally shocking. First and foremost, no rational, reasonable police agency, police officer, 
could ever defend the conduct of that police officer in Minneapolis. That was totally horrific. There's not enough words to talk about that. I mean, there just is not adequate words. Never has a police officer been trained in a police academy to put their knee on someone's throat. Regardless of whether they're resisting or not, you don't kneel down on someone's throat. So let's set that aside but that for a second because we all agree that that was horrific and wrong. And in this community, had that police officer done that, I would have had him in jail before sundown. But that doesn't give people a right to riot, to loot, to steal. Yes, you want to protest? What's the difference, prote- what's the difference between a protest and a riot? A protest and is when, and we had one Sunday, where we had four or 500 people show up to protest against the death of George Floyd. It was healthy. It was good. There was old folks there. There was young folks there. There were children there. And they protested that horrific event. It was a wonderful event. They exercised their First Amendment rights. It was so passive, the local police department didn't even visually have law enforcement officers in the crowd. But let me tell you what happened. The protesters then went home. But from there, the anarchists, the rioters, they, they marched down toward the police department with some protesters. And after they protested at the police department, then those protesters went home, and that left the anarchists, and it left the rioters. And that's the people that we had problems with in this community. Well, the police department called the sheriff's office, and we all mustered together, and we pushed them out of the intersection after they had torn up one building and damaged one car and injured one set of people, which, by the way, was one of the protesters that they got mad at. But that's the difference. Protesters are exercising First Amendment rights. Rioters are taking advantage of the situation in order to loot, steal, hurt people, or create absolute chaos. And we that's why it's important for police agencies to be allowed to go in and pick the dissidents out, the troublemakers out that's inciting the riot. When you get them out, then you are left with the protesters. Sheriff, it has been great to talk to you. Thank you for your insight. Thanks for the courage for uh, standing up. Uh, and uh, my best to all of your all of your fellow officers and uh i wish you nothing but safety and uh and health thank you so much sheriff by the way well, thank you we very much keep our you bet we should keep our our policemen first responders in our prayers i can't imagine what it's like to go to work especially in a city that is hostile to cops and you're one of the good guys uh we have two cops in vegas uh in the hospital one of them seriously injured. Uh, we have four in St. Louis in the hospital. And um, two cops last night were run over in Buffalo, Ohio. How many is it going to take before America says enough is enough? Because I can't believe any honest, decent America, uh, American is with the looters at this point. Na, 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 na.